This is Fans on the Run, a podcast made by, for, and about Beatles fans. And now, here's your host, Ethan Alladay. All right, welcome back to the show. Uh, this is Fans on the Run, the Beatles podcast that makes you listen to the host and think, what the fuck is he on about? <laughs> um, but that's besides Love the it. point. Uh, we, we got an awesome guest for you today. Um, he is the foremost Beatles tour guide in London. So if you're ever in London, go on one of his tours. Um, and uh, no big deal. He was named the Beatle Brain of Britain twice. <laughs> we have Richard yeah. Porter with us. Richard, thanks for coming on. Hello, Ethan. How are you? I, I, I'm okay. <laughs> good, good. Yeah, yeah. Difficult times at the moment, but uh, hey, I, we're, we're getting by. I don't even know what day it is anymore. Duh, neither do I. Yeah. <laughs> Who am I? <laughs> Who am I? <laughs> Which is Beatle fan. <laughs> kind of sucks when I'm running the podcast because I yeah I have to bookmark like the calendar yeah. app because I, I have to keep checking like fuck what interview do I have today? <laughs> I know the feeling. I mean, I'm so on my you know usually on my on my tours and everything's you know in the diary and stuff, but now there's nothing in there. It's like what do I do? <laughs> it's just, just that days are just merged into one, and you know they've all yeah. blended together like some sort I of have. Kafka-like nightmare. Yeah, they have definitely. <laughs> they have. But yeah. apart from that, how are you holding up? Um, I'm okay. It's it's great talking to people. That, that's one thing. It's good that um I got friends around the world, and it's great being talking to people online and stuff and face chatting and everything else so uh that that's 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 a really good thing hopefully by the that. end of this we will be friends as well yes we are already i'm sure yeah. <laughs> hopefully at the end of it too <laughs> yeah no we, we've just been doing a lot of russell speak haven't we before oh we, yeah uh, went came on online as it were so uh, i yes. should just change this to a ruddles podcast <laughs> you should it just was the trousers. A, yeah. I just have a guest on and we just keep reciting quotes from the Ruddles. This, this is the... I do that on my tours. This is the actual plays for the Beatles actually played. Yeah. I just go into Eric Idle all the time. Oh, I just remembered my favourite quote. It's, um... Uh... They played here, 1965, Shea Stadium, Stadium. named after the Cuban guerrilla dictator, Gilea. Shea Stadium. Shea Stadium, Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that scene where they were walking in the stadium was was filmed at Loftus Road, the home of Queens Park Rangers, my favourite football team. My sec- well, one of my other passions. <laughs> so, is it even a connection there? <laughs> See, you're proving yourself already. I didn't know what it was. I knew it was an yeah. English football stadium. Yeah, I recognised it. I was sitting in that stand all the time, but I, the one in the background. So. <laughs> And funnily enough, in the robe in in front of me is Leslie Cavendish, who is the Beatles hairdresser. Really? Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's a big fan as well. Yeah, <laughs> little connections anyway. Anyway, we're, we're getting. Damn, who else sits in this? <laughs> I digress. <laughs> I digress. <laughs> All right. Anyway, let's get back to the Beatles, shall we? Yeah. All right. <laughs> so, Richard. Yes. yes. When did you first discover the Beatles? Oh, well, I was born in 1962. I was born the week Love Me Do entered the top 30 in the British charts. But I was, 
I re- somehow the Beatles almost eluded me in the 60s. I don't know how. I lived in the Twickenham area, just down the road from Twickenham Film Studios, where the films were fit, all the films are done, long before I knew anything about them. And I even had, I had all these records produced by George Martin, but not Beatle records. <laughs> all these kids' records he used to do, like Nelly the Elephant and oh, Right geez. Said Fred and all that. So I had all these, all these, we all had all these records, but no Beatle records. And um, I didn't, I mean, I, I guess I, I knew, I mean, I remember Obla Dee Obla Da by the Marmalade. Okay. I love was, the Marmalade. Yeah, that was what six when that came out. And that's the first. I remember on Yellow Submarine, of course, because I was like three or four, and everyone, because nursery school, everyone sang Yellow Submarine. So I remember all that. But um, God even had an episode in what, 1971. We're on holiday in Finland, of all places. And. I was with my family, and we saw we just come off a, a ferry uh, from from Sweden to Finland. Saw this open top bus with had wings over Europe on it. It's Paul McCartney's tour bus. Oh, and everyone in the the bus was waving at us. We had a British license plate. We were waving back, and one of my parents said to me, "Oh, look, it's Paul McCartney's tour bus," and they never let me forget this. I said, "Who's Paul McCartney?" <laughs> This is 1971. I had no idea at the time. Of course, I do now. <laughs> and that <laughs> was the actual times. Wings Over Europe tour bus? It's the Wings. And I've, I've actually, I know you, someone that owned the bus, and I've actually been on the bus since. And I, I met the bus was at the um, a Beatle convention in Liverpool in the mid 90s, and Denny Lane was there. And I took Denny Lane outside with, with, and I had a picture taken with the bus. The Wings Over Europe tour bus. So that was cool. That must have been surreal. Yeah. So anyway, to answer your question, it must... I mean, I, I suppose it was... When I was really getting into music when I was about 10 or 11, but I didn't buy my first Beatle record till... I remember it very well, actually. I We had Capital Radio. It's a local radio station. Mm-hmm. had a rundown of the top 100 songs requested by the listeners... And over twenty were by the Beatles out of a hundred, so really? pretty much all their all their singles and for a few album tracks are in the top one hundred. And the next day, I bought the Red album. Took six, you know, sixty-two to sixty-six. Everyone my age started with the Red and Blue albums. Mm-hmm. That was the entry point into the Beatles, and I was absolutely hooked after that because I hadn't don't, by that time I don't think I'd heard songs like In My Life and No Way a Man. And I just, wow, they just, that was just it for me. And that was it <laughs> for life. <laughs> I'm sure you got the blue album. Oh, yeah, that's that, that was the next one. The red and blue were the first two you bought. Everyone my age, that was where you started. Like nowadays, it's probably Beatles 1 or whatever. Yeah. But in those days, it's the red and blue. Which I think they came out in, the, in about 73, I seem to remember. Yeah. But uh, I bought them in 76. But sorry, then I bought every album within 18 months. This is when I was still at school. Mm-hmm. Just pocket money. I was, all my money was on Beatles stuff. What was the first one that you remember getting, uh, apart from the red and blue? Oh, uh, I think the first album I was Revolver I bought. It was the first actually album I, I bought. Yeah. Scientifically proven to be the best Beatles album. <laughs> 
I think so, yes. Yeah. But uh, Of course, yeah. this, the scientific study I'm referring to was conducted by me. Yes. Where all of the participants yeah. were also me. Yeah. I think for me it changes, though. Um, i got a real soft spot for, for, for Rubber Soul. Mm-hmm. There's a few fillers which I could have done without. I mean, I was very involved last year in the 55th anniversary of, of Abbey Road. And that's become a real favourite. I've always has been a favourite, but more so in the last, you know, in the last year. So one thing I organised was the 50th anniversary of the Abbey Road crossing. Really. And uh, we, I'd done it similar things for the 25th, 30th, and 40th anniversaries, getting people together and crossing to the minute since the Beatles. And it's going bigger and bigger and bigger each time. And this year was just absolutely viral. Because I got a Beatle band to pose as the Beatles on the crossing, dressed as the Beatles were. Really? And they they arrived in a replica of John Lennon's psychedelic Rolls-Royce car. Oh, that's awesome. Now, I'd done a similar thing, actually, on the 40th anniversary. Uh, but this time, it this it went... Actually, for the 40th, it went viral as well. We have even that one. It was it was on um, NBC in in the states. I mean, both both the 50th and the 40th were on Canadian TV, and it was the front page of the Guardian newspaper here. The the, the guys on the crossing, so it yeah. made the front page news. It even had Brexit off the front page for a while, which was good. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, yay! So I hated Brexit. That's another story. Do you want a service for your country? Don't go there. Don't go there. It's like you know, give peace a chance, keeping the war off the front page of the paper. Well, the Beatles on the Abbey, the Abbey Road crossing anniversary kept Brexit off the front page for a day. So <laughs> I did my bit. Silver linings. <laughs> I did my bit. Uh, that was that was an amazing day, and there were people from all over the world came to Abbey Road, and the amount of love for the Beatles was just like you could cut with a knife it was just like palpable and it was that was an amazing day uh, you know unforgettable you brought up abbey road and since you're yeah. like a beatles tour guide you must you yes. must go to that goddamn crossing oh yeah just a bit yeah <laughs> I, um i don't remember not, london yeah. drivers being particularly uh let's say hospitable um no my mum was trying to get a picture of me crossing, and all these yes. cabs were just zooming down the street trying to hit oh, me. Oh, tell me about it. Yes. What's the worst uh, thing you've seen happen on that crossing? Um, there have and I have there have been people hit on the crossing before. Um, luckily, not knowing from my tours, but I know it's happened. Um, but yeah, I mean, you do get people just forget about the cars. And some of the drivers can get very irate. I mean, this by law they're supposed to stop. But I've actually seen people, you know, accelerating. People actually having to run out out of the car's way and stuff. So, it's that I had to do. Yeah, that. yeah. Um, but I've seen some nice things too. Like, uh, obviously, you've seen Paul McCartney on the crossing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, it was a lovely time when I was doing my tour once. I always tell the Paul is dead story by the crossing. Oh. And I was going through all the clues and, I, you know, saying, oh, that is, you know, Paul's barefoot and, you know, the 28 if and all that. So I go through all the clues and I saw Paul's car coming up the road at that moment. And I just stopped in the mid-sentence. So here's Paul McCartney coming to prove he's still alive. <laughs> and I knew I was going to Abbey Road to the studios. 
and I just said to my people, like he's going to he's going to the studios. Let's let's go. We just basically ran to the studio and saw him go in. So, so it's we, basically like you summoned him. <laughs> we got a glimpse of Paul McCartney on the tour, so that was pretty cool, proving he was still very much alive. Yeah. Less well, of course it was less of course it was William Campbell or Billy Shears or everyone yeah. called him. One of the four <laughs> names that this. I've heard Scottish. He's Scottish or yeah. something, and but there was something with MI five. Yeah, uh, you know I love that theory because it's just yes. a dumpster fire. Oh, it's one really funny thing. But uh, I got a good friend Jenny Crowley, who um, she worked for the Beatles fan club in the sixties, and she was on the Magical Mystery Tour coach, and she's in the film, and later worked in the Apple Shop. In Baker Street. Before Nasty blew it up. Yeah, before Nasty blew it up. Yeah, Ruffles, I love it. Oh, kindred spirits. And um, she she invited she was uh, invited to a special screening of Magical Mystery Tour when the DVD came out. And she asked me as a plus one. And Paul McCartney was there. And all these other, David Walliams, Terry Jones and Michael Payton were both there. Had a bit of a joke with had a joke with them about uh, Mr. Creosote <laughs> and uh, the, the similarity to the fat lady in Magical Mysteries. Uh, oh, <laughs> and they they omitted it. <laughs> Basically, that was the that was the influence of that that's that's Monty Python sketch. Well, anyway, um, there's a the bit. Unless I think de- about that scene from Magical Mystery yeah. Tour where John's shoveling spaghetti, the better. Yeah. Um, yeah. I even told Mark Lewison that that was the only time where I've ever watched a Beatles film and then immediately yes. had to throw up afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a bit in uh, Magic... There was on the, one of the Pauline's Dead Clues, an obscure one, is on the Magical Mystery Tour album. There's a picture of uh, the Beatles and other people in a restaurant of, you know, having a meal. There's a picture of Jenny... And one of the clues, it's actually supposed to be Paul McCartney in drag. <laughs> it's Jenny. It's supposed to be Paul McCartney in drag. And there's Jenny and Paul at this event. And I said to them both, hey, look, hey, which, which, one, which one's Paul McCartney? <laughs> we had a bit of a joke about that. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> which, one, which one's Paul? <laughs> uh... Paul's good about it, actually. Paul was funny about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how many of the Beatles have you actually met? I met, well, four if you include Pete Best. I, I met uh, Paul, George and Ringo and Pete Best. Or actually five if you, in, oh no, uh, yeah, well no, well no, I mean, uh, yeah, four actual Beatles, yeah. <laughs> okay, who was the fifth one? <laughs> well, I met, um, oh, uh, I met some of the, 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 the Corey men. Okay. You thought, thought I played with the Quarrymen. You played with the Quarrymen. Yes, I um I know Rod Davis very well, and um, I he often when the Quarrymen play, they, they invite people from the audience to go play washboards or um T-chess bass, and I played washboard with them in in London. Also uh, last year at the uh, Beatle Week, I played with them in Penny Lane, which is quite a thrill. Wow. It's only it was only Colin and Len that day, and okay. a few others. But um, but still, actually, uh, 
Rod came to my 50th birthday party. And we had a skiffle session at that. I had a Beatle band. We had a skiffle session. Lee Book and I was playing washboard with him, and we were playing Rock Island Line and all that. That was that was brilliant. That was that was some birthday that one. Rod's a really nice guy, and wow. uh, you know he, he's you know I miss him loads of times, and he's he's you know really friendly, and it was so nice that he came to my my birthday party. What was the best encounter that you ever had with a beetle? Ooh, gosh. Um, one I remember very well is that was in 97. I think that must... Was that the day? Yeah, it was the day of the that, that thing with Paul again running to the studio. And I was there was this lady on the tour called Dahlia Pincus, who was from Israel. And I told the story on the tour how about Linda's background, how Linda's basically Jewish, <laughs> and how when they arrived in America, they changed their name to sound more American. The original family name was Epstein. Really? Yep. <laughs> they changed and it to Eastman. Anyway, to Eastman, to sound more American. So the Eastman code, that thing, is total nonsense and nothing to do with it at all, of course. Billy Kodak. But anyway, yeah. So, um, Dahlia was a huge, a huge Paul fan and she wanted to meet him and I finished the tour and we thought we'd wait until he, he came out. And this was in, what, May 97? And when he came out, he, well, we just asked, can we come over? He said, yeah, come over. And we chatted a long time. And Dahlia asked him about Linda's background and he told us the story how Linda's family had fled from former Soviet Union to, to uh, get away from the the Jewish pogrom and how they went to America and all this story about arriving in Ellis Island, changing their name and Paul said, oh, I married an Epstein <laughs> and he went into great, also said about how the Beatles were due to go to Israel in 1964 and were banned from going by the uh, Israeli government because they would uh, disrupt, you know, corrupt Israeli youth, and Paul said to us, "Yeah, we, we were, they were right. We would have done." <laughs> That's probably one of the longest conversations I had, and he told us all these stories about. This is very quite moving now, actually, because at the time Linda was very ill, mm-hmm. and sorry, I'm going to get a bit emotional now because um, my my wife Esther died from breast cancer. Uh, but two and a half years later, and I only found out quite recently that Dahlia also died of breast cancer. The lady I was with that day, and I, I took pictures of her, and she took pictures of me. And you know, these people are still around, and that's yeah, I just found out only about a year ago that she had died from breast cancer as well. Yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm really sorry, man. Yeah, she was she's a great jazz singer, and there's a lot of footage of her on on youtube and stuff and uh yeah and that's um but it is it, it's, it's so nice sharing that with her and uh well there's lots of other nice i mean i've met paul quite a few times and i had uh, my picture taken with him outside we used to go to air studios all the time in the early 80s that's george martin's studio right? yeah and this, this came about so I had a good friend john who i mean it's the time i was just reaching out to be Beatles fans this really came about after I went to the 1981 Beatles convention in Liverpool 
and arrived and there's like a thousand Beatles fans there and I thought I was like home I just felt at home and I remember that day very well because um, Victor Spinetti um, unveiled a statue with John John Lennon who of course only died a few months earlier and everyone spontaneously sang Give Peace a Chance which is like wow <laughs> anyway after that I just reached out to find Beatles fans I put uh, as in Beatles monthly and got a few Beatles pen pals and my friend John told me how he met Paul McCartney in Oxford Street, man, Oxford Street, Business Shopping Street in London. <laughs> I didn't know Air Studios was there. I'd have been past the building God knows how many times, not knowing it was there. And he told me he met Paul many times. And I thought, yeah, right. So he said, no, come along, you'll see Paul McCartney. I thought, well, nothing to lose. I only met him before. I was meeting other people. Anyway, he arrived at Air Studios. Ten minutes later, there's Paul McCartney standing in front of me. It's like, ah! sort of doing the help you know it's like what do you do when you meet Paul McCartney anyway and uh yeah so um he 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 was there on and off for about four years and we used to go up quite often after after work I was, I was working in a bank at the time used to go up after work meet my friends and we saw Paul and god knows how many occasions I got my picture taken I remember I went back to get the picture signed by Paul when he looked at the picture, do what we a lovely couple. <laughs> it's typical McCartney humour that. So yeah. And so what? I met him oh. a lot of times around yeah around the mid mid eighties. That was probably the most times, but the the most memorable, I suppose, was was, was that one in the late nineties. Out of all the Beatles that you met, which one was the uh, biggest? Uh, let's say twat. Um. Ringo at the time was in his sort of drunk period and he wasn't very friendly. He you know just what? Hello That's and kind just, of what I thought you would say. Yeah, he was just... Yeah. Um, he was working with Paul at the time. This around the time of Tug of War and Pipes of Peace, Gimmer, Guys to Broad Street. So he's working with Paul quite a bit at the time. But, um, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't particularly friendly. Uh, you know, it was from what I've heard that hasn't really changed uh, yeah I mean he's I mean he's I know he's not as only that you made a bit of a fool himself he said about the about the um the autographs mm -hmm. he's making a I mean what he's trying to say and we didn't actually say it but what's happening was people were he was signing autographs for anyone who was sent stuff in to sign but people were putting all the autographs on eBay mm -hmm. and they were getting loads and loads of money for this and he just got fed up with it. But when he sort of put that on, he put that thing on his, on oh. his blog, on his website. Oh, peace and love, peace and love, yeah. no autographs. This is no, a was, serious message the, to yeah, everyone I know. watching my and then upload. and then saying peace and love, peace and love, and sounding not peace and love at all. And yeah. he, 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 I'm he warning you with peace and love. And no, he di he didn't give the reason, and he should have done, and that made him out to be a real twat, I think. So <laughs> I mean, it's like oh. Then, of course, he upset people in Liverpool by going on the John, you know, as the ambassador of the Liverpool Capital of Culture. Mm -hmm. And he went on the Jonathan Ross big chat show here. And Jonathan Ross, of course, Ringo lives in, in, in LA. And Jonathan Ross asked anything you miss about Liverpool. And what he should have said, well, I don't miss my, my tough growing up. He just said, are you kidding? Because Owen Liverpool got the hump about that, not surprisingly. Liverpool people are very protective about their city, and not surprisingly. 
and he and uh, for for a time Ringo was less popular than Yoko in Liverpool. <laughs> well, that probably still is now. I see Yoko. He does a lot for Liverpool. To be serious, she mm-hmm. she, she does an awful lot. Obviously, uh, buying Mendips for a start, and has put lots of money into charity there too. So uh, she is qu- quite well regarded in Liverpool. And wasn't there Ringo. <laughs> wasn't there an incident with a a hedge kind of yes topery yeah. yes someone cut off the head of Ringo yeah they did I know <laughs> oh, that was quite funny I must admit I did have a laugh at that <laughs> off of his head <laughs> yeah I'm gonna break the fourth wall a little I always have like a little set of notes. Right. Um, and I don't know what was going through my head when I was writing these notes. Yeah. Um, for some reason, I just wrote down Dave D, Dozy, Beaky, Mick, and Titch. Mm, I don't right. know. I don't know why. So yeah. I guess I'm gonna ask you. you. You're the Beatle brain of Britain. Yeah. Are you? Is there also a Dave D, Dozy, Beaky, Mick, and Titch brain of Britain? <laughs> Not that I know of. Put it that way. <laughs> And I must admit, but, but, but the only thing I do know is that they definitely went to Hamburg, and they went there. I think the resident took the Star Club as well, if I remember. But like two or three years after the Beatles. Yeah. I mean, everyone went to Hamburg after the Beatles, basically. I mean, which kind of you know killed the scene there in a way. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, wouldn't him have another English band? Yeah. Wow. So. So unique. Yeah. Yes. They were—they're kind of bubble gum, really. <laughs> Again, I don't know why I have that written down. No. And actually, I saw them like they did a kind of—I saw them a kind of sixties revival thing many years ago. I must what? admit, not—they're not really—they're not really up there for me. I mean, I got the other groups that I put long be, long before them in my list. <laughs> like I—I I think it's a shame that uh, that group is still kind of going. Uh, but the small faces haven't performed together in 50 years. Well, because three of them well, are dead. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, there was, of course, there was a revival because Jimmy McCulloch joined them. Mm-hmm. There was a revival just after Jimmy, Jimmy McCulloch left Wings. There was a revival with Jimmy McCulloch in, in the small faces. That is which true. Which I thought was interesting, yeah. Although so nice their, the bass there. player they had at the time, they weren't really small anymore. No, the guy looked like he was like six foot two. Yeah, that's it. Well, that's the reason they changed the name when um, Steve Marriott left and uh, Ronnie Woods and uh, yeah. Rod Stewart joined. They yeah. weren't small anymore, so they just dropped the small and became the faces. In my opinion, <laughs> that was when the group was neutered. Yeah, I mean, uh, Steve and Ronnie were brilliant songwriters. I, Lane, so, I think yeah. I'd probably say I'm the biggest Small Faces fan in Canada. All right, good. They're a, they're they're a great band. Yeah, they were really good. Anyways, let's stop talking about these other non-Beatles yes. groups. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> right, I'm a fan of all these people, so yeah, it's great. I mean, they're all interconnected in some way as well. They are. I is it true? Well, I think I you'd be the best person to ask because you're the Beatle brain of Britain. Um, <laughs> I heard something that the small faces were actually in the studio for the One World broadcast of uh, All You Need uh, Is world. Love. Yeah. No. I think by trying to think any of them there. Because I know Jagger was there. Yeah. 
I mean, as Keith Moon was definitely there. I mean, but yeah, both Mick Jagger and Keith Richards were there. Keith Moon was there. In fact, Keith Moon plays drums. He's playing a drum next to Ringo. <laughs> you could say Keith Moon drummed on a Beatle record. Well, I think whether it's the, the recorded version or not, but he, he's certainly playing drums on the broadcast. A drummer on the broadcast. But the small faces, I'm not not sure about that. Said something about that on the Wikipedia, but I was looking at yeah. the video and like I couldn't see any of them. I don't think so. You heard it here first. I wonder if Ronnie might have Ronnie Wood might have been there. He could have. But he of course he wasn't the small face at the time, but no. um no. What um, band was he even in at that point? He's in a band called The Birds, spelt with an I. Mm-hmm. Because he was in the um, birds. Yeah. He was in the creation for like a, a little yes, while. Yes, he was. In fact, it might have been actually the it might have been the time of the creation. Actually, I think the uh, that was sixty yeah sixty seven. That was the probably around the time of the creation. Mm-hmm. And he was he was hanging out with Jimi Hendrix and all those people at the time. Yeah, it's in every fact, time he, I yeah. discover a new sixties garage group, I look at like the members and it's like, oh, Ronnie Wood was in the band. Yeah, exactly. He was he was around a lot. Was in everything. Yeah, yeah. Okay, back so, to the Beatles. Anyway. Yes, yes, of course. <laughs> what What did the Beatles mean to you? Oh gosh. Um. Well, let's just say it's, it's my career for a start. So, you know, when I've been doing the job, I've been being a Beatles tour guide for over thirty years, and before that, ran the, the London Beatles fan club. Which I started in what nineteen eighty eight, so wouldn't have done that. My my, fir- my my first wife Esther, who came on my tour. That's is this is a story. I just started the fan club, mm-hmm. and she came on my tour on New Year's Eve nineteen eighty nine to be precise, and we just I just we just literally just started doing the tour, getting new members. We we just running it as a sort of a collection of friends before that and we just thought we'd uh, do, do a you know regular fanzine and I gave out letters about the, the club and she joined the club pretty much straight away and she went back to America she's American and we started writing to each other ring each other and one thing led to another and uh, we got married <laughs> and so I met my then I unfortunately she died from breast cancer and then I met my current wife Irina, who's from Russia, <laughs> after marrying an American, I married a Russian, and we met because she was ru- running a Russian, the Moscow Beatles fan club, and I was running the London Beatles fan club. Really? And we started talking, and we, we were friends for a long time, and then, then we got married later on, so both <laughs> both my wives I've met through the Beatles, basically, <laughs> in different countries I never met otherwise. Yeah. So <laughs> that, that's quite, quite an influence right there. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think I could think of a better influence on your life. <laughs> no, no. So, because my daughter wouldn't have been born, it wasn't for the Beatles. So, <laughs> is your daughter a Beatles fan? Uh, yes, she is, but she's she's kind of slightly rebelling at the moment, yeah. but she is a big Beatles fan, yeah. <laughs> She's trying to. She's trying to be a one. Di- she says she's a One Direction fan at the moment. Say no, no, the Beatles are better. 
They're not even a group anymore. <laughs> I know, I know. But well, in all we're fairness, having, neither we're having of the a, We're kind of having a jokey sort of joust about that at the moment, but uh, it's fine. She's a Beatles fan. Yeah. She she knows she she's she she can be my successor as the Beatle brain of Britain. I mean, she knows everything. She remembers everything. And she's very she unlike me. She's very musical. She plays like ten instruments and. She's got perfect pitch, and she, she's the, she's the the musical one in terms of playing music. So, yeah. What's what's your favorite memory of doing uh, the tours and or just being a fan of the Beatles? Gosh, ah, oh, there's so many. Um, one was that set, that first Beatle convention. That was a big one. Uh, with, with no, the, the, in Liverpool in '81. That was a very big one, obviously. Um, it's just so many. Uh, it's really hard to pick one. I mean, just this last year, organising the 50th anniversary of the crossing, and we had a, we had a concert afterwards at a place called the Dublin Castle in uh, Camden. It's not really a Beatle place, but uh, so where Madness gave their first gig and Coldplay played and loads of others, and we had a great concert there. And uh, Kevin Harrington came along, who was basically the Beatles' radio. People forget about him, but after... Uh, Neil became head of Apple. That uh, Kevin became the Beatles' roadie and sat up all the Beatles' equipment on uh, the roof at Savile Row, for instance. Oh, that was another thing. It's another time I knew I had a great job talking about memories. That in 1995, so the time just before the Beatles anthology, people from all over the world were doing stuff on TV about the anthology, mm-hmm. and I had a call from a TV station in Germany, big TV uh, show. This this is like the question from heaven for a Beatles fan, where well, there's only one answer, and I thought this is a good job. The question was now they were doing research, and they were they were they were filming inside Studio Two at Abbey Road, and on the rooftop at Three Savile Row, and the question was, would you like to come with us as our consultant? And oh, by the oh. way, we'll pay. And by the way, we'll pay you. And I thought, hold on, you'll pay me to do that. <laughs> It's like the holy grail places for Beatles fans. I mean, and actually, I've been, I've been in Studio 2. I've never been on the roof before. I've not been on the roof before, but they're saying this is two Beatle places that every fan wants to go to. And they are asking me to go as their consultant. They're going to pay me to do so. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> Let me think, yes. <laughs> so I thought, this is a good job. thought about that for approximately three yeah, milliseconds. One nanosecond, yeah, I know. So I thought, yes, it's a good job. <laughs> so I spent uh, half the day on the roof and half the day in the studio to Abbey Road. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. Does the roof live up to its hype? Um, or is it just a roof? It's just a roof, basically. But it was... It's, it's nice not like Billy Preston there. is still up there. No. But one place where... And I've actually been to, on quite a few occasions, a Studio 2. And that... God, it's. I think Chris Rea said, and he's big. He's a devout Catholic. He said, going into to Abbey Road is like a Catholic going to the Sistine Chapel in Rome. You just feel its presence. He's just like has amazing. It's got a, its own sort of smell to it as well. It's got a real atmosphere, and it's just like smell. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's got this kind of musty smell. It's 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 got it's kind of just. It's really, you know, it's just there. 
and it can just almost feel just the atmosphere, like the, the music that's been made there. Start selling candles. Yeah, I've got one thing I went to not long ago. They had a special listening party for the, the Mono Masters. Oh. And they were playing, like, they played a day in a life in Studio 2. Uh, they had this, 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 this amazing sound equipment that cost them hundreds of thousands of pounds it's like the most incredible record player ever and of course the acoustics in studio too and the day in the lights like john Lennon was singing into my ear it was just so immediate and I, it's, it's absolute shivers down my spine it was just like unbelievable when they got they got to the orchestral build-up yeah, they you know at the end yeah. bit, it's just like whoa, and the the piano chord just going around the studio was just like unbelievable. Oh, it was another thing, last year they did these special lectures in the studio, mm-hmm. and I went along with my daughter Lilia, and I met the guys. Of course, the guys that do it Canadian, really, yeah, and they they'd been doing it for a while, and uh, they had these pianos on display in the studio and you're going to do this they've done it before because and uh, they asked there's any piano players in the studio and my daughter's a very talented piano player and she volunteered and they're asked to go to these three pianos and play one chord on those pianos oh. it was the final chord of a day in a life using the same pianos the Beatles used on the record in 1967. Really? And there's my daughter playing that piano in a studio to Abbey Road, the same piano used on A Day in a Life. Uh, but, oh, that was a proud dad moment. That was, yeah, that's one of those. I think I saw the, a video on YouTube of some kid yeah. in Studio 2 playing on the Mrs. Mills piano. Yes. Doing yeah. uh, Lady Madonna. That was the piano she played on. That's the one they used on, on that as well. Oh, wow. That was the piano. I, I can't even imagine yeah. being inside Studio 2. I feel like yeah. they would just be staring into the sun. Yes, it is. And I, you know, I've been in a few times. Every time I've been in, it's just like, wow. <laughs> it's just like, oh, this is the place where all this, this music was made. And that's the thinking on my tours that... People just concentrate on the crossing and they're, they're wowed by the crossing. And it's like, the studio just down the road. It's where they've recorded all their stuff. It's like, oh, it is it's like, a, it's a cathedral of music. It's all I can put it. It's, it's, it's the same sort of atmosphere. And uh, yeah, every time I go in, it's just like, it's the place. Yeah. How many times do you think you've actually been to Studio 2? Um... I don't know, really. Uh, 15 or 20 or something, I don't know, oh, over the years. Fucker. Don't know. I, I am very lucky. I am I, absolutely blessed in what I do. And, you know, I've been invited to lots of nice stuff there. And it's always, it's always a pleasure. And I met lots of people. I met, I met George Martin in the studio. Really? Uh, they did a book about they did the history, official history of Abbey Road Studios. And I was interviewed for it. And um, because of that, I was invited along to the the um, the launch of the book in Studio Two. I had a, a bit of a chat with George Martin inside Studio Two, which is quite a thrill. Oh, <laughs> God. Yeah, got the book signed by him and stuff. Have you ever met Giles? So, yes. Yeah, Giles is very nice. Yeah. He is very modest. 
and uh, he's, he's done an awful I mean he I, 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 you know he's been he, of course it's closed at the moment but I, I still saw him a lot when you know he's he had a, he's got an office in the studio so he was doing all the all the also there all the re, all the um the re, reissues there mm-hmm. so I, I used to see him all the time at least probably saw him once a week going in and out the studio chip off the old block yes he is very much so I think he's been working on the new Let It Be film as well. Yeah, the Peter Jackson one. Yes, yeah. That's something. To, hopefully, that's still coming out, and it's not that. It's supposed to be up to September, October, isn't it? Yeah, I, I heard so, that. That's, yeah, well, so that's yeah. Disney got their hands on the distribution. So yeah. I'm imagining that it'll end up on the Disney streaming service. Yeah. Oh, one thing is is I'm also going to be working on, but I don't know if I should say this publicly. Well, I'm going to say it. That, that mean, it's going to be announced quite soon. It's going to be a new film coming out about Brian Epstein. Really? And that's going to be that going to that's going to be filmed hopefully this year, coming out next year. Is that a documentary or like no? It's just kind of a bi- a biopic. Really? And I, I met the uh, went to the, the they did a launch for. Um, so uh, investors in it, and I was went went to that, and they met the scriptwriter, and I've been I've been helping a bit. I got them in touch with Frida Kelly. Really, of course, worked for Brian. Good old so Frida. She, she's been involved in the in the, in the, with help with helping with the script. So um, that's going to be officially announced next month, I believe. Are you able to tell us who's playing Brian Epstein? They haven't announced it. That that's going to be announced next month. I don't know myself at the moment. I heard, uh, I heard. I've heard a few names. Tom Hanks. No, um, that's one I haven't heard actually. <laughs> it was a few other. I mean, it's another project. It's going to be on American TV. Another uh, Epstein project. Um, the film's going to be called Midas Man. Oh, okay. Well, actually, we're actually going to call it Epstein the movie, but of course, after another Epstein's got rather um, famous oh. recently, decided to change the name. <laughs> <laughs> for not for good reason, I think. So it's going At to be least... called Mad. It's going to be called Midas Man. Everything that Brian touched turned to gold, and sometimes not for the best. Oh yeah. It's and... really going to con. It's going to contrast how he managed the best group in the world, the best entertainment group that could manage his own life, basically, and all, all the sort of uh, contradictions in his life and kind stuff. Kind of a Greek you know, tragedy. Yeah. Yeah. But I met the scriptwriter, and uh, she, I think she's doing a good job. I mean, it's it's going to be truthful as you can. Uh, it's not going to be. It's, they're going to keep to the truth as much as possible. So it's going to be very good. Good. So it won't be too sugar coated. No, no. Well, no, definitely good. not. I'm no, very no. excited to see that. Yeah, yeah. So, you are the Beatle brain of Britain. Yes. What, what is your favorite weird pieces of Beatles trivia that, like, oh. you could tell someone and they would look at you like you uh, just grew a third arm? It's like, how the hell do you know that? Why the hell um, do you know that? Gosh, I don't know. There's so much I've, I've learned over the years. And sometimes I think, you sure? Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, there's just things that I know. Sometimes things the Beatles say, which I know, hey, that's not true. <laughs> and uh, I know that some things are said for uh, PR reasons and whatever. <laughs> uh, but I don't, it's, it's hard to, p- to to pick one, really. But um, I, I'm always learning, I'm always meeting people who have some sort of, like, like I said, meeting Kevin Harrington recently. 
who was people forget how involved he was that he was around really he he was first as an office boy for nems <laughs> and running you know doing jobs for for brian going around to all the beatles houses delivering stuff and for, for that he, he learns a lot and then really from you know from 68 being the beatles road he set up all the equipment in abbey road studios on the rooftop of three savile row and getting to know all the stuff there and he he lived at um friar park for a while really yeah, and he said the first night it was like it's like they were pretending it was haunted, and they were they were they were they were, they were freaking him out with these ghost noises. There's George and Olivia and everyone else freaking out with these, doing these ghost you know noises and stuff. <laughs> it's the first night in Friar Park, so I just thought these lovely sort of personal stories you hear. Have you ever been to Friar and Park? Not inside, no, no. Oh. I wish I had. Well, I've been around the outsides and stuff, but not inside. I'd love to go inside, love to see it. Yeah, yeah. So, I know a few people that have, and yeah. It's it's a beautiful house. Oh. Of course, I'm just saying that from pictures I've never... Yeah, I had this amazing story told to me by someone on... Get these stories and people on tours, that uh, this lady who is... She's um, Native American from the same tribe that... Olivia's family had connections with or something and there was some sort of family connection <laughs> and uh, that's, they, she was visiting England and was, uh, I don't this sounds a bit far-fetched but apparently it's true she was told to go to Friar Park and there was told there was a, a relation of theirs living there <laughs> and then no one told her who it was or the connection and she was invited in and so all these pictures of the Beatles and they asked, they did, oh, didn't recognise George. So, Do you have some connection with the Beatles? <laughs> and it's asking George Harrison. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you could say that, yes. <laughs> oh, you hear these lovely, these lovely stories. And there's, there's oh, the, the other story, this guy who was, um, this guy from Sweden who was in England and... Um, in uh, 1968, and was outside Three Savile Row, and he someone came out with with a, a letter. It was an invite to be outside a ho- certain hotel at a certain time, and everyone who was there was bussed down to Twickenham Studios, <laughs> and sang on Hey Jude. Was in this in the audience in on Hey Jude. You can see him in the video. <laughs> oh, is that the one that was uh, the video? Yeah. With all the fans around the piano, you know, crowding around for the na 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 bits. Yeah, he's one of them. <laughs> yeah, um, right place at the right time. Talk about it. Yeah, I know. So I love, I love his all these personal stories and stuff. That's that's the kid. Well, I've done doing these tours for say thirty years. And I could probably do them in my sleep and probably do, but what I get the kick out of is hearing all these personal stories, and telling the stories, and then getting all the the feedback from people that's what that's what i enjoy is it is the love for the beatles and telling the stories and getting all the reactions from people um okay so now i'm gonna ask you some kind of quick fire questions yeah what okay. is your what is your favorite beatles song gosh let's say if who's it, your favorite it, who's your favorite child top five um, you can pick top five Okay, in my life, definitely up there for many reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the first—that's the first song I heard after hearing that about John Lennon's murder. 
Uh, that's always been up there, and there's a lot of personal reasons as well. That's very high there. Um, something is very high up there. So I absolutely love. Um, it's a few kind of more obscure ones. I always loved Hey Bulljog for some reason. I just it's, it's a brilliant sort of dance record. Um, it, 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 it it changes with moods and stuff. Um, a day in a life is always up there. I mean, hearing it in the studio that time and just, just like I've always loved the original acoustic verse on my guitar gently weeps. I heard that for the first time in Abbey Road. In '83, when I had that, that first, that was the first time I'd been in Abbey Road when they had the Beatles Abbey Road um, show. Oh, that's right. They, they played all these these rare songs, and hearing one of the original acoustic version of one because Child Jackney Weeps was just like, ah, what's that? <laughs> just like so amazingly moving. I've, I've heard about that uh, yeah. tour. In fact, I've actually seen bootlegs. Yes. From like someone smuggled in a tape recorder and yeah, there's 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 a bootleg video you can get of it, which I've got, which is yeah, which is quite amazing. Yeah. I haven't heard about the video. Now I want yeah, to see the video. There's a video. I don't know. It's on YouTube. I don't think it's on YouTube, but there is a video. It's got Roger Scott, who's actually got Canadian because he was um, he was in um the hotel and we're doing Give Peace a Chance. In he was in Canada for in Montreal. Yeah. He is the one that narrated the show. Really? Yeah, yeah. Okay, do you have a least favourite Beatles song? Um, I suppose Revolution Number 9 is, even though it's it's got its quirks. Maxwell's Silver Hammer, I must admit, I've just never warmed to. This this happy sing-along about a mass murderer. Yeah. (laughs) Which just like it's I don't know it's I never will that, 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 that is probably my least favorite and also I suppose just coming after something, which oh. is just increasing this incredible sensual, amazing love song and then you got Maxwell Silverhammer coming right afterwards talk about a change of mood, <laughs> it's like what a contrast so uh, that, that point doesn't help it its merits for me I, but I, I mean I love, that's uh kind of looking at that song and it's like yeah this maxwell guy balls of steel yeah because he's on trial for yeah. killing people with a hammer and he has the fucking audacity to kill the judge yeah and i know john lennon absolutely hated it as well they did and like a hundred something. Tapes they re they re they 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 all they went they, they were even going back to the get back sessions. They just went for it, God knows how many times, <laughs> and ad nauseum. And John absolutely hated it. That he and I, I I can see why to be honest. Oh. So yeah, I suppose if I had to pick one, it's going to be Maxwell's Silver Hammer. Uh, again, I'm glad <laughs> it's a different answer than Mr. Yeah. Moonlight. I've had. Too many people say Mr. Moonlight. Yeah, that's, 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 it's not even a bit of it's a cover version, but it's, it's, it's quite a good song, really. I don't know why people dislike that so I think it's the organ solo. Yeah, maybe. But, um, I, I like it. I like it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But it's not it's not brilliant. I mean, they did better cover versions than that. I mean, some of the cover versions were... You think, it's <laughs> a cover version? It's like... <laughs> One of my favourites is Soldiers of Love. 
Oh, that's a great one. Which is just like... And the other one is Don't Ever Change, which it's just... That is just the blueprint of the Beatles in 1963. The whole way they did it, even though it's, it's very... It's actually, it's one of the few times they didn't change it for their own... It's, it sounds like the, Be- the original version by the cricket sounds like the Beatles 1963. It's just so like... A blueprint of the Beatles in '63 with the harmonies, the, the melody. It's just the Beatles. It's just like. And this was on one of the BBC. BBC, yeah, yeah. That's always been. But Soldiers of Love is just like. Oh, I wow. love that. Oh. And uh, that really could have been the first single, really. Soldiers of Love and some other guy. I mean, that would have been a <laughs> what a B side, a double A side that could have been. I mean, wow. That, that would have, that would have kicked. Ass. I know, I know, it wasn't their own song, but wow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that would have. <laughs> yeah. I, I also I mean, love off the BBC uh, uh, shot of rhythm and blues. Yeah. Uh, that's one of my favorites. Yeah. There was a brilliant band called Mojo Filter that used to play at the Beatle convention in Liverpool. They used to do all the BBC stuff and the Hamburg stuff long before it. Anyone, most people had heard it. Oh, and do you that, know what I wish they had done a proper studio version of? Yeah. Uh, talking about you. Yeah. It's a shame that the the Star yeah, Club tapes a... are so. Yeah, bad, because I would love a like a high quality version. And isn't isn't a shame that the uh, only Hamburg tape out there is from their last ever gig there. Yeah, because they were kind of getting you know it's, they knew kind of the last one. They weren't really quite. It was brilliant. It's brilliant. You know, it's uh, still brilliant ha- having it. But uh, it's a pity it's not a kind of a slightly earlier one. I have in a, a way. But. I have a bootleg of that show uh, under the name The Beatles versus the Third Reich. Oh, yeah, yes. Oh, there's so many of these bootlegs. Of course, the Beatles have tried to stop the Hamburg stuff coming out ever since. We're saying it's not up to scratch, and which is true in a way, but uh, they finally let the, the Hollywood Bowl out after saying no for so long. Yeah. So, yeah. Speaking of stuff not coming out, have you... Yes. Have you ever heard Carnival of Light? No one has heard it apart from, I think, Mark Lewison when he was doing oh, yeah. the recording sessions book. At the uh, Beatle you know, Fest, I, I was bothering him yeah. about that song, just asking him questions. Because it, about... it's just not worth it. It's just it's doodles, doodles on a on a tape recorder. It, it makes, apparently it makes Revolution Number 9 seem coherent. Mm. <laughs> it's mean, even just... longer. Yeah, and it's like, you know, I was going to call it electronic farts by the sound. I don't know whether it's, a, it's it, 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 is, it is on that sort of basis, basically, by the sound of it. And it, it's just not worth it. I mean, it's just become this great you know, mystery. And which and it, people say it should have been on... It's never meant to be on Sergeant Pepper. It's meant to be heard once at this event at the Roundhouse, and that was it. The wasn't supposed to be heard light again. and sound rave, or whatever exactly, it yeah. was called. Yeah, exactly. That's any time it's supposed to be heard, and that you know, but the tapes did exist, and unfortunately, when they you know, it's one of these things. People want to hear that, and it's also you know, you know, there's, there's others as well. But yeah, uh, like that twenty-six the one minute goes. version of Helter Skelter. You know, that's, that's the one I was about to say. Yeah, it's just like these. Uh, 
these these uh, you know things everyone wants to hear and you think when they hear it they think why did we bother mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, all this yeah. hype for like the last 30 years to hear Carnival of Light and then inevitably when it does come out we'll yeah. be like what the hell was that what why the were hell we was so that e- why were we I excited know. to hear that I know I know but it's just this this myth this mythical thing <laughs> So, yeah. Anyways, oh, well. do you have a favorite Beatles album? Oh, well, you already said that earlier. Yeah, sure. it, it varies, but uh, anything, basically anything from Rubber Soul onwards, really, I suppose, depending on moods and whatever else. But, uh, yeah. Do you have well, a actually, week? not Let It Be. I mean, Let okay. It Be is a bit of a mishmash. I, I'm not a fan of that album. Yeah, there's some brilliant songs on it, but it was such a mishmash, really. Yeah. Overproduced by Phil Spector. Yeah. <laughs> Say the least. But, not, the, uh, not the last thing he shot in the head. No. I love Phil Spector and his early stuff. Oh. I mean, I love all the Wall of Sound stuff. It, but... It's a shame that Ugh. he ended up the way he did because now I feel guilty yeah. when I'm listening to like the Crystals and the Ronettes. Oh, tell me about it. I mean, that's some of the best pop music ever made. Uh, one of the best Christmas albums is the oh, yeah. Christmas Gift yeah, for You. Exactly. Phillies. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, and be my baby is still one of my all-time favorite records. That just oh, oh god. <laughs> yeah. I I could listen to it like to do run run for like yeah every day for the rest of my life. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny that Roddy wasn't allowed to go on that tour in '66 with the Beatles because her, her sort of fling with John Lennon. <laughs> There was all that going on, and of course there was um, George and Estelle for a while. Is it Estelle? I can't remember the name here. Yeah. They were quite close for a while as well. <laughs> all those connections. Didn't one of them <laughs> date Paul for like, or at least sleep with Paul? Mm, it was quite possible name Paul. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. I, I heard a, an anecdote that I, I know it's probably not true, but I, I like yeah. to believe it is um, that "Can't Buy Me Love" was written after a nine-day bender of all the best uh, prostitutes that Miami offered, <laughs> and he wrote "Can't Buy Me Love" uh, after that. Really, wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, <laughs> it's probably it, yeah, not you, true, but there's I, a I'd few like to stories. True. Yeah, like the one yeah. of John Lennon calling an emergency band meeting in '68 proclaiming that he is, in fact, the reincarnation of Jesus Christ. Oh, that's true. That happened. That happened. That's true. Oh, thank God. I was so worried that it wasn't true. No, that's absolutely true. That's after an SD trip or something. Yeah. I don't know what it was. And but the meeting yeah, was true. shortly thereafter adjourned. Yeah. Oh, it's another story. Again, on the, on the same line, so this guy turned up at Cavendish Avenue. Oh, wasn't that in the yeah. Imagine movie? Yeah. No, that was... Uh, no, that was on something else. This oh. is... Um, Paul told us on another thing that this guy turned up in beard and caftan and Paul opened the door and this guy said, hey, I'm Jesus Christ. Oh. And uh, Paul said, well, you never know. So he invited him in, invited him in and Paul's about to go around to Abbey, I think it's Abbey Road or maybe, no, it was something they're calling, oh, they were calling Fixing a Hole at um, Chapel, I think it's at Chapel Studios, one of those. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the, Paul was about to go to the studio and said, why don't you come along to the studio? And this guy sat in on the Beatles. Maybe Jesus Christ sat in on a Beatles recording session. I mean, he's in the studio know. with them. You never know. 
But of course, it can't because the Beatles are bigger than Jesus Christ anyway. So of course, yeah. but uh, well, Jesus was only bigger? like. No, you know, sorry, no, no, they're, big, they're bigger than God's bigger than no, it's bigger than Rod. Sorry, yeah. it's a deaf journalist. Sorry, yeah. Rod will not be big for another six for the next years. Six years, exactly. Very. So there's always lovely stories in the sixties. I mean, they was they were so trusting of people. I know oh. this guy who sat in the booth of recording he said he was Jesus Christ. I mean, <laughs> I think Paul said something about that. It was the anthology, I think. Yeah. There's something you said that oh, in there. One of the is yes. Jesus. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah well, those are the days, someone once said. <laughs> those were the days, my friend. I oh, thought they'd never, never, thought end. never end. Do you remember that Cynthia Lennon did a version of that? <laughs> I've Not heard about good. that, but I don't think I've heard it. Oh, of course, in that she sings, Once Upon a Time There Was a Cavern. Not Once Upon oh. a Time There Was a Tavern. <gasps> How many members of the Lennon family have made records over the oh, years? God. Oh, What's... God, they all have. Oh. Even going, even even Uncle Charlie made a record. His really? Uncle Charlie, yeah. There was that awful record Freddie that... Did that awful yeah. chuck that Freddie made, yeah. yeah. Oh, and of course, obviously, there's Julian and Sean and everyone else. And, oh. oh, but Julian oh. and Sean's music is yeah, they're good. I mean, yeah, but like Charlie and 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 Freddie. Oh, oh dear, God. dear. What's that? What's the name of that song that Freddie did? Where it's oh. like, wasn't it called like "That's My Life"? That's my life, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I heard that John had pulled some strings to have it pulled off the charts. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I think they did kind of reconcile a bit later on. Uh, but there, I, there was a long time they didn't. I think in the 70s or something, yeah. they had a bit of a, you know... Not that they didn't, didn't get saw, saw each other again. I think they were corresponding at least, but yeah. There was a, a book, I think, from Freddie's, uh, I think, last wife. Yeah. Some stories Pauline. about John and Yoko. Yeah. Yeah, Pauline is actually a Beatles fan and <laughs> married 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 Freddie. <laughs> so yeah, I've got that book. So I don't think I ever read it. I got it somewhere. Yeah. God, I got I got so many Beatles books. I got a library full. Um, I haven't read some of them. <laughs> I'm I gonna be hundreds. honest. <laughs> Same here. I got hundreds, and some I probably never will read. <laughs> but when I was doing the coffee shop and doing the fan club, and we we used to get. Yeah, book get sent books to review. So a long time, I never had to buy one because I'd always got sent them to books that were you know, samples of books we could have sold in the shop or books to review for the fan club. So, are th- so that was quite handy. Out of your library, <laughs> are there any books that are like fairly popular that you don't really like for their like authenticity or their angle? Um, the love you make, by uh, you know, yeah, Peter Brown. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh, I did not like that book. I know Paul McCartney hated it as well, but there's... I heard he and Linda organised a book burning in their backyard. I heard that, yeah. I think think Peter Brown was kind of waylaid by Stephen Gaines, the guy he wrote it with. (laughs) I wanted to get all all the juicy bits and, you know, ignored all the good stuff, basically. (laughs) And trying to get all these revelations and saying, here's a revelation never said before. The Beatles took drugs. No shit, Sherlock. I mean, <laughs> really? 
<laughs> like, okay, right, next. <laughs> oh, God. Well, nowadays, it, like... It was it's that sort of line. I mean, maybe you didn't say that as such, but it's on that sort of line. It's like, okay, next. <laughs> um, oh, I've had yeah. friends that are, like, getting into the Beatles nowadays, and, of course, the go-to book, unfortunately, is that uh, Bob Spitz one. Oh, God, don't. I mean, even the captions, it's got the date wrong with John meeting Paul. It's right to finish for Brian Green, the Beatles. Couldn't even get the date right when John met Paul. It's like, ah! <laughs> there was this great uh, Conan O'Brien bit. Yeah. Uh, poking fun at these captions. Uh, yeah. Like, oh, the famous Beatles uh, rooftop concert at Taco Bell. <laughs> John's bed in with the grimace. <laughs> I know, uh, and he was really snarky about. Oh, we didn't do. No, he said. Oh, it wasn't his fault. The cat they done as an afterthought and all that. It's just like, oh, come on. There's just so much stuff in the book I mean, about Paul dreaming the um, dreaming yesterday. The tune, looking at the in a in a hotel room, looking over um, Central Park. <laughs> I thought, what? Where did he get that from? Right, so he's mixing up a story that Paul told about, which I was at a thing he was at when he was talking about the song. Actually, he did write over Looking Over Central Park, which was quite a recent one. And he also told the story about, about dreaming yesterday. He got the, both stories mixed up. Yeah. <laughs> and he's got Paul dreaming yesterday in, in, a, in, a, in a hotel overlooking Central Park. And I thought, oh, no, would you help? <laughs> this this definitive biography on the Beatles, it's like, uh-oh. I asked uh, Mark Lewison and Bruce Spizer about this at the last yeah. fest. They had this panel, and uh, mm. Bruce Spizer brought up that he had completely butchered, uh, or he had said that Paperback Writer was on uh, Revolver or something. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I just so, so much rubbish no, in that book. Wait, no, it was, he said... Um, Paperback writer was on yesterday and today, and Bruce Spizer was like, "Well, maybe he meant the British version." <laughs> right. Oh, oh, oh dear. <laughs> Anyways, this has been very, very fun. Good. Yeah, it has. Thank yes. you so much for coming on, Richard. That's all right. And uh, yes, and uh, come on or two if you come to London. Hopefully, we'll get started again soon. Uh, next time I'm in London, I am definitely taking yes. one of those tours. And hopefully I've got the uh, my book coming out with uh, Susan Ryan. My, it's the uh, Beatles Fab Four Cities, <laughs> Liverpool, Hamburg, London and New York, about all the cities and how they, they're interconnected in some way. And there's, there's so much weird stuff. Mm-hmm. which I didn't realise, which I just found out that weird stuff like Liverpool and Hamburg being on the same line of latitudes and you can draw a line through it on the globe. <laughs> there's just weird connections and things like that, which, we, which we've... Uh, and there's always different places and stuff. And uh, that the book's hopefully coming out later this year, you know. But uh, anyway, it's kind of so that's, that's that's a big project I've got at the moment. I've heard from Susan and you that like the release date's kind of up in the air because yeah. of uh, all uh, the notorious Rona. Yes, but a certain this vi- certain virus that's going around you might have heard about. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's just uh, <laughs> this thing. <laughs> As John said, 
Stay in bed. <laughs> yes, exactly. Good idea. Yes, give peace a chance. All that stuff. <laughs> All that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Stay in bed. Grow your hair for peace. Yeah. <laughs> well, no one can get no one can get their hair cut at the moment, so we are growing our hair for peace. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have that sort of haircut soon. The hair soon. Oh. <laughs> I don't get my hair cut. I mean, I, I like having my hair relatively long, but this is kind of fucking ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. Stay in bed and grow your hair for peace in the world. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Yes. Whenever your book comes out, everyone else out there listening, go buy it. Good. Thank you. Except for Thanks. Susan Ryan, she will probably be given a copy. Well, hopefully, yes. Yeah. Hopefully I will as well. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be nice. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> nice if the publisher yeah. told you when it's coming out. Yes. Even better well, if they'd give you a copy. It would. But we're, we're hoping, hopefully sometime this year. But um, we'll, we'll keep, I'll keep you posted on that. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Richard, thanks good. for coming on. Okay, well, thank you very much. Good, Everyone good, out good there, to do this. goodbye for now. Dance on the Run is produced by Ethan Alexander. Additional voiceovers by Richard Phillips. This has been a Showtown production.